I'm Gav. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London, even though it's a little bit blustery yeah, out there. Not as blustery as, uh, as as Eric Ten Hag was after Ooh. Casemiro's red card. We'll be we'll be talking about that. We'll be doing a show with that, of course. But yeah. there's a lot going on this weekend. Uh, obviously, in England, big story involving Gary Lineker. Yeah. Um, big stories out of uh, well, in Spain with Real Madrid now joining the civil suit against uh, against Barcelona. Uh, Bayern winning, conceding three goals at home. Good or bad is a 5-3 like a 2-0? I don't know, Jules. You can tell us. <laughs> but let's start with this United game. Um, because obviously we had so much praise for the way they were going under Eric Ten Hag. I think fair to say we were both we both had some doubts about what a mountain he had to climb when yeah. he took over. He got the good results. Then comes this game um, against Southampton. And let's, we'll get to the red card in a minute. But if you take the red card out of it, at 11 v 11. Yeah, it was not United, for long, to be fair. What? It was not for long. Well, it was half an hour. Yeah. Right? 34 minutes. Uh, United didn't exactly bring the house against Southampton. No, and to be fair, I I respected his choice in midweek on, on Thursday night against, against uh, Betis to start the same team that was demolished by Liverpool four days earlier, almost to give them a, a platform go and, you know, Redeem yourself. Go and prove the critics from all everything. Like, which I get. The problem is, if then you play again, sixty percent, seventy percent. I think he made two changes for the game on Sunday. Then obviously, after having played Liverpool, Betis, and then you play Southampton again, even if they're bottom of the table, I thought they were. I thought they started and they were tired. I mean, I could. They yeah. were, I thought they were sloppy and and. Yeah, and the, 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 for me, the start of the game already looked like mm, this is going to be a tough afternoon for them. Yeah, and I think also, in some ways, it's harder when, when, when you play a team like Southampton. It's obviously rested, hugely motivated, high-energy team. Um, and you're playing a lineup with just the one defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, it puts a different kind of strain on it. You know, it, it asked Bruno, it asked Jason, uh, Jason Sam, Jaden Jaden, Sancho, yeah. even. Uh, it asked the wingers. It asked them to do a type of job that, you know, they can definitely do, but it's easier to do if you score, if you get an early goal or, or whatever else. If, if you have to put it onto the physical athletic side, they're going to be penalized. Yeah. And I think that was reflected in the game. And this was a game that United could have... Could have easily lost. Uh, yeah. Southampton could have won as well. To be fair, could have won. Bruno hitting the woodwork. They had a couple other chances. I mean, yeah. they, 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 this, this it was a great game. I thought. Yeah, for the, this could have been a two-two, three-two, either way game easily, but it was conditioned by the red card. Yeah. Uh, it's Casemiro's second red card. He's now facing a four-game suspension. Eric Ten Hag, not happy about it. Um, what was your take? I mean, I don't understand why he's not happy with. Because I think he's. Just, I mean, I don't even know how Anthony Taylor didn't give red straight away. That he had to go and check the VAR and to actually change the yellow from to red, because I don't care that if he slightly touches the ball first, he could have broken Alcaraz's leg. And mm -hmm. I know, I know he didn't mean it, of course. And Tenag says, "Oh, he's, he's he's tough but fair. This is not a fair tackle. This is not, this is nowhere near a fair tackle." Ten Hag's rant about inconsistency in VR, maybe, and you're probably better positioned to talk about that for me, but I don't see where the controversy is on the red card. There's no controversy. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think that is a red card every day of the week. It's not a factor of him getting the ball first. His leg is above the ball, it's really off the high. ground. I also not 100% sure that it, 
it is necessary. You need to tackle that way because no, you're you're getting to the ball. The other guy's pulling out. You know, you could have you could have hooked it. You could have you, you could have done a lot of things. Yeah. You know, uh, to not put yourself in that situation. Casemiro's reaction afterwards, he was he was extremely upset. Yeah. Um. This is going to have an impact because you know McTominay in there, Fred in there. It's not the same thing. Even if you move to the setup with, you know, in some games you're going to have to play two defensive midfielders, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just McFred. have those two guys, yeah. McFred <laughs> plus plus Sabitzer, right? Yeah, um, that's Sabitzer. what you have. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I mean, he's been United's best player this season with Rashford. I think he's been one of the Premier League's best player. And to lose him for four games, and if you look at the fixtures, it's not like they were playing Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea and City in those four games. However, you've got an FA Cup tricky game against Fulham in there. You've got three league games against teams that would be fighting, would be quite similar in a way to Southampton in the sort of physical intense aspect of them. So it's just not, again, not the right time. It's never the right time to lose it, someone like him. All right, Jules, on the Casemiro red, um, Paolo Di Cagno, I thought, yeah. had an interesting theory, which you may or may not agree with, and obviously somebody who's who played in England for, for a long time. And he just talked about Casemiro adjusting to the Premier League and yeah. adjusting for the fact that, put bluntly, he no longer plays for Real Madrid. Mm. And I think you can rump, you can lump in the other red card he got the um, you know when, when, when he grabbed the guy's throat uh, against Fulham. Where yeah. If you're a little bit cynical... If you play for Real Madrid and there's a confrontation, sometimes referees are a little more lenient. And I think that one, and I said it at the time, you can fault him for going over there and being so macho and aggressive. The throat grab, when you look at it again, yeah, yeah, it's not that obvious. You know. um, but he suggested that the Premier League has this image of, of being tough but fair and aggressive and so on and referees not calling every little foul the way they do in other leagues, specifically in Spain. And then he feels the need that he needs to kind of get into that mindset. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, he went and he played the enforcer, you know, back when he was sent off in, in, in that game. Yeah. And in this one, you know, crunching tackle in midfield, crowd goes wild. But he's out of control when he does it, and he yeah. pays a price for it. He hasn't, use a term, he hasn't calibrated his style of play to playing in the Premier League. Does that yeah, that's a fair point make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I also think that Ten Hag wants say, you know, high intensity, high some sort of physicality in the game as well, which... Which, to be fair, the last two Real Madrid coaches... You wouldn't describe them as Ancelotti and Zidane as like exactly. high intensity Again, guys. Exactly. And and Real Madrid would have 70, well, maybe not 70, 65% of the ball very regularly in games where there was not much intensity. You're right. So he's, I think his role was very, very different than in, a, than in a Ten Hag team like that in a rebuilding process in a league like the Premier League where the rhythm and the, the intensity and the tempo is far higher than anything in La Liga. And I think on top of it, to 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 go even more with Di Canio, when he's the only 
defensive midfielder mm. in a team like that, which means that he has to spread himself. If you play with the two, it's kind of easier. One is on the right, kind of central to right, and then the other one central to left. And then if one goes forward, the other compensates them. This is, this is easy. But when you're on your own, I think you probably had the, the mindset of like, okay, I'm on my own here. I've got all of this area here to, to patrol kind of thing. So I need to go right, I need to go left, I need to go central. I won't get much help really from Anthony, Bruno, Sancho, Rashford, or Weghorst. And then behind me is the back four. So I think even in, in his head, maybe before the game, was like, okay, this is a bit different. And maybe he was just spreading himself too much and thought, I need to go for the tackle here because if Alcaraz dribbles past me, then, then it's dangerous. I, you know, I don't know, but I think it's, it's really interesting. And also, just to finish, we've said it many times, it was unbelievable that in over 500 games as a pro before joining United this season, this summer, he never had a red card. And we said many times that... He never had a straight red. Yeah, straight red. I think red. He's, had, he's had red yeah, cards. Yeah, sorry, before. straight red. Because we've said many times before at Real Madrid, there was a few things that maybe outside of playing for Real Madrid would have, I think, warranted a, a red card, straight red. That's why Sergio Ramos didn't get very many red yeah, exactly, cards. Exactly, as well. Sergio Ramos fulfilled... But do you remember the, the for, for Casemiro at Real Madrid? It was very much like, yeah, we know this is how he does. He yeah. always managed to to avoid the red card. Well, what, what struck me about that too, about the heat and intensity of the game, and I struggle with this because it is a bit of a stereotype associated with the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, other leagues are also intense. Um, but if you're not used to it, it can lead to making, uh, to, to, to effectively taking bad decisions because, all right, let's just say, let's assume Casemiro's foot had, been, had not been high. And, and by the way, if Casemiro missed, missed the ball entirely, he could have ended Alcaraz's career, or certainly laid him yeah, out for definitely. a very long time. It's very clear on this. That's why he's off, yeah. right? Um, but if, he'd, if his foot had stayed on the ground, it's not like he would, you know, he would have gotten to the ball first, but it's not, I mean, the ball would have just bounced around. You know, there's no guarantee United would have won the ball. Whereas if he had done what, since he was at the ball first, if he had slid around to, to protect it, and he could have held off Alcaraz. I mean, that would have been the more conservative thing yeah. if you wanted to win the ball and keep possession, right? Or even if you want to stop his attack, you just put your arm around, he goes you past you, you put your arm, you find yeah. him, it's a yellow, you take the yellow, and then you... By the way, Casimiro has five yellows this season. Right. Ivan Tony, for example, has eight or nine, I think. So five, two reds and five yellows. Just to, just to make the point that he hasn't been dirty all season at all. This is not... Right. The, the, the Fulham sent red, red card, as you said, it's an RG barge and... This one is a reckless one, but it's not like if he'd been reckless all the time. And, you know, Palina, for example, at Fulham had been very physical. I had far more yellow cards than Casimiro. So, all right. Um, a, word on, a word on Southampton. Uh, just before, what do you make of Ten Hag's runs? And especially comparing this Casimiro tackle with the Ricardo Pereira tackle on Joe Felix in the, in the Chelsea, the Leicester Chelsea game on the Saturday. Which, why is he comparing two different games with two different referees, two different incidents? Two different contexts, two different moments in the game. Basically, we're saying that because Ricardo didn't have a red, Casimiro should not have been a red. Uh, yeah, I didn't really follow that. I didn't follow that line of thinking. Um, look, I don't have an issue with managers talking about refereeing decisions. Um, I have an issue when they do it with some cynicism. Um, yeah. And what I mean by this is, 
It's the oldest thing in the book, right? Psychological subjection. Even Pierluigi Colina talked about it. If you, if you're the Manchester United manager, if you spend the whole week saying like, "Oh, we're treated unfairly by referees. I hope next Saturday's referee treats us fairly." Whatever, it puts pressure on him. Yeah. And you know, it, I, fortunately, not many people do are, are doing it. And let's be very clear, it's not what Ten Hag did. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that kind of talking. Talking about referees after a game, fine. I'm not 100% sure this was really the context to do it, but I got yeah, Ten Hag is a human being, right? Yeah, yeah, he so was frustrated. He's frustrated. Yeah, he's yeah. wound up. It's, he didn't need this. They needed the three points so that you know, they can just stop worrying about finishing top four. Um, I think that's where he was going with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I do want to put a word on, on, on Southampton because the team is what it is. The players are what they are, but there's still a ton of fight in here. There was, and yeah. That's encouraging. And it kind of felt like, even before the Casemiro Red, like these guys that are out there are are really, really pushing. They're, they're not going to be bullied. Yeah, and they knew that it's, it looked like suddenly the first 35 minutes they had a good game plan, that everybody was disciplined. I don't know if that would have lasted the whole 90 minutes because I think there might be a point later in the second half if United put more pressure than... Maybe yeah, they don't have the start, quality to keep yeah, it. Yeah, to start to mis- making mistakes. And then it was certainly e- easier in a way for them at 11 against 10. But that your boy Ruben Seyes is, is, is certainly... No, but he, you know, he prepared this game really well. And again, yeah. of course, they, they had the whole week to prepare. It's not like United who had a game in between in midweek. But yeah, I like what I saw. Yeah. I don't know if it's enough because they still, like you said, like quality. They should have taken those chances. I mean, Theo Walcott could have scored too easily. They hit the woodwork twice. Uh, De Gea made a couple of really good saves, to be fair. Yeah, this, uh, this is one game where David De Gea, I think, earned his bacon again. You know, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. He's still not good enough with the ball, but at his feet, but you know. Whenever we point out De Gea's failings, his contract, whatever, like, you come back to games like this and you're like, mm, you know. But you know, it's, I think it's a real dilemma for them. Because if you turn Hag, you can't fault him on the line. It's impossible. Right. He saved you so many times this season. However, as we saw against Betis again, where he, when they hit the post, because he's, he's, I mean, you and I would have hit the pass that he missed, you know, well. And then if you turn out, you say, ladies and I can't, I cannot, my philosophy to be fully implemented needs a goalkeeper that can play with the ball at his feet, which is not the case. He can't do a pass from here to like <laughs> 10 yards there. I, I, personally, so what do you do, do you? I think as long as part of your defensive core includes Juan Bissaka, Varane, you know, people who are not, you know, Beckenbauers. Yeah. I just think you and the hair, then you have to park it. You have yeah, to park so what that do you do? Idea. Then you get do you get a goalkeeper with good distribution? No, you, don't. You, you have you have you have other priorities. You're you've shown us that your game plan does not hinge entirely on this, just as you know, those of us who thought, oh, it hinges entirely on pressing and having on the ball. No. Ten Hag has shown us he can play in different ways. You know, you've got other areas of the pitch and of the squad to strengthen. You know, no, I think, I think you park this for a while. You I think they get a keeper. Really? I'm sure. I think All right. Uh, that's, that's one to watch. Um, a word on the uh, race for top four, because I'm just going to read you where we are. And it's, yeah. it's a bit of a mess for, you know, welcome to England, where everybody's played different amounts of games. But I think there are two spots up for grabs, right? Yeah, definitely. Because I think Arsenal and City, we can yeah, consider yeah. them out of the race. Um... United, 50 points, 26 games played, one game in hand. Spurs, 48 points, no games in hand. Newcastle, 44 points, two games in hand. Liverpool, 42 points, 
one game in hand. And I'm going to include them. Of course. Brighton, 39 points, three games in hand. Yeah. Now, that may be a bit of a stretch, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Um, this is really tight. And what's interesting to me is you don't have any teams that look, in fact, weirdly, we'll probably say United will look the best, or United and Brighton look the best out of those teams in terms of their recent run. Form, yeah. Right? Hey, Liverpool had some results. Yeah, Um What I find interesting about Newcastle in this, and I would have thought, all right, they're going to slip into the rearview mirror, right? They can't keep that level all season long. I think about Newcastle is even, and they've obviously had a dip in form, not just yeah. results. But even when they have a dip in form, there's still intensity, there's, they're, they're, they're still running, they're still making the most of the fact that they're not playing midweek football. So, I'm starting to wonder. I think Newcastle. I think it's a toss-up for you know Newcastle, Spurs, and Liverpool. Um, yeah, I think to me, be, I kind of put them on the same level. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of twists, especially when everybody will have the same amount. Like, it's a bit difficult to judge or to assess because of the the difference in games played and when they're going to play their their the games in hand. So they will have games in midweek at some point. All of that, it could get heavy for Brighton, for example, to fit those three matches, especially right. if they go even further in the in the FA Cup now. So but but so it'd be easier when everybody has, I don't know, 32, for example, and we know there's six to go and, and the situation right. with the goal difference, etc. But, but it's exciting. It's super, super exciting. And I really, I don't know, you could name two of those five you could make any of those, any two of those fives, that's what I wanted to say, and, and probably be right. Spurs can somehow, I still think, do it, you know? They can have that kind of mentality, they can defend well, I think Brighton can do it because they have this freshness and the Zerbi, all of that, even if they need a striker. You can see pros and cons, really, with, with all of them. Yeah, I think, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, uh, it's an interesting one to watch. I do wonder about United, just because I feel we haven't talked about him for a long time. Anthony Martial, what's... Coming back soon from injury? I feel like I've been saying that for. I think lately he's been more to the barbers than he trains. What? <laughs> no, but, but could Anthony Martial? Because I, I, I'm, you know, Veghorst, fine, but I don't want Veghorst. If I'm Manchester United, I don't want Veghorst to be playing every single game, right? We're, we're no. in agreement on that, right? Yeah. Mason Greenwood's still out of the picture for obvious reasons. Yeah. Personally, I think he should stay out of the picture. When you look about striking options, you're not that loaded. And so Martial. No. Fit Martial, yeah, completely can give you that added spark, but yeah. you don't have any inside French info other than the generic. He's coming back soon, but that's why I was told. I mean, yeah, that's why I was told. I, but then with him, the problem is, you know, you, you don't. That's the thing. You don't really know exactly when he's back, but you don't know either when he'd be out again or for how long he'd be he'd be he'd be ready and fit. It's crazy, and I think Ten Hag, who when they met and first worked together on preseason, was really a big fan, was really, really keen. Just thought this is perfect this is the perfect number nine for me. Uh, and and again he was he hardly had games where he could have yeah. used him. I certainly at his best. So it's a real I think it's a real shame for Anthony because he missed he missed the good ten half train that I think would have revived his career, his career massively. And it's a shame. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the 
Did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough United. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. All right, Joes, we've just lived through a pretty remarkable weekend. Those Incredible. of us who live in England, this is a, admittedly a regional story. Gary Lineker, who hosts the uh, uh, Match of the Day, which is the flagship BBC sports show, yeah. he made some comments on Twitter uh, comparing new immigration legislation in this country uh, to 1930s Germany, or the language surrounding that legislation, I yeah. should say. Um, he was asked to step back from his position, setting impartiality, floodgates open. Chaos. Oh, all these major stars, uh, from Ian Wright to Alan Shearer, to a lot of lower lower level producers and freelancers yeah, who, on the radio you know, who really needed the money. TV um, and radio. They all stepped back, TV and radio, and said, well, we're not going to do it. We had a weirdo, surreal weekend. It was weekend. strange. They pulled out basically every show on BBC Radio and BBC TV, every football show, keeping it to the minimum, like... Uh, you know, no presentators, no pundits, no commentary, nothing. No, so, not even calling in match of the day on Saturday night. It was just like a, like a highlight twenty-minute package of the the Premier League matches, and same on Sunday night. It without really any kind of commentary, without nothing. any kind of graphics. No Apparently, stats, they couldn't nothing. even use the commentary from the World Feed, which is like the generic. Comment. Yeah, which I thought they might be able to do. I, contractually, apparently, they couldn't apparently, do that. Yeah, they couldn't even call it match of the day. Apparently, because it was there was just no name to it. It was so strange that decision. Uh, that the BBC, you know, took to ask Nineke to step step down from presenting Match of the Day on the Saturday night, the real version, which then meant, as you said, that people like Alan Shearer refused to do it as well with another presenter, for example, and Ian Wright, and then all the other presenters that could have presented, like Alex Scott, like Mark Chapman, like anybody and his yeah. dog, really, that in that kind of job, all turn it down too. So they were left in the position of like, uh-oh, what are we going to do I now? Mean, by the way, it's fair to say, like I said, I go back to Sheer and Ian In solidarity, right, by are, are millionaires. Mark Chapman and Alex Scott are not, right? So it's a slightly different, but it shows you, I think, the strength of feeling against the decision to, put, pull, Gary, uh, to just pull Gary Lineker aside. And on top of that, this morning, as we're taping the show, we got a statement saying that, oh, look, Gary Lineker is going to be back yeah. and they're going to review their social media policy, which I think seems like a reasonable outcome and I think a win for Gary Lineker. Yeah, I think he's, he's coming out strong from this. He was at the Leicester, who is his team and you know where he grew up, at the Leicester Chelsea game on Saturday, very much... Uh, the center of attention there too, uh, because it was an incredible few days for him between that tweet came out. I think it was seen by more than 3.5 million uh, people on social media, incredible. And whether you agree or not with his position and his view right. and, and his tweet, um, the fact that he was not allowed to do his job is, is the, wrong, the wrong bit here, really, to be fair. And Gab, it may feel to some as just an UK issue, of course, but in fact, there's a broader point to make, maybe, about sports taking a stand on social issues. Yeah, there's many broad points, and also the whole notion of, of, of 
of impartiality. I mean, yeah. I think things have changed a, a little bit. We, we, we've seen it in the U.S., uh, you know, starting with Colin Kaepernick, issues like that. Athletes, people who work in the media have felt a lot more comfortable sharing their views. And early on, it cost people their jobs, yeah. uh, including at our company. And then kind of the worm turned and it became more acceptable to talk about it. Um, I think there's also a difference between a public broadcaster uh, like the BBC, which is funded by license players, uh, license payers, and a private broadcaster where, hey, my company, I can do whatever yeah. I want, I can have whatever policies I want, and you better like it. I, my personal view on this is if you're not presenting uh, a news program, um, I mean, no sane person gets their views from Gary Lineker, right? No, nobody gets their news from Gary Lineker on this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So you can't claim to see, oh, look, he's saying something that's toxic. What I blame is the people in the media who focus so much on what individuals tweet, wow, whether they're famous crazy, or not. No, no, four I, days we had all the front pages. Why does pages. it become a news story? And again, it's not a right-left issue. Uh, the same thing with people who may, who, who may have more conservative views and all of a sudden people on the left, oh, you said this and that, right? Does it inform the way you do your job? Is your job relevant to these things? It's not. Gary Lineker does not make policy. I, I, I personally think it's good that they're reviewing this. Yeah. Um, it is a tricky path to, to tread. In the case of the BBC, especially so, because like I said, they don't have advertisers. It's different for a private media company where you say, oh, this guy tweets things, it upsets it costs, advertisers yeah, and so on. Money and I get that, right? Yeah. But th this is a different uh, a different kettle of fish. Paris Saint-Germain returns from their bitter Champions League exit with a 2-1 win away to Brest. I don't know why you're cheering like that. A win is a win. <laughs> we saw Lionel Messi set up Kylian Mbappe for the late winner, which I guess is good. Yeah. But things were not good before that. Not good at all. Not good at all. I mean, they started kind of well and then I don't know like I don't this team just despairs me so much yeah, and when did that guy Honorat turn into some kind of sprinter like running past everybody he looked like R9 <laughs> really like I could not I, I had no words for the goal that PSG conceded when they, they it looked like they were in control of that game the second half was very average and Brest uh Played some good football at times. It's just like Kylian, mm -hmm. who had a bit of a, an incident before as well um, with a Brest midfielder. We're still on the pitch and scored that winner. And, and kind of by the way, made it a decent weekend. He was able to do that because Brest were go, felt confident enough to go for the winner in injury time. Yeah, that, should, that's I what mean, led to the counterattack. It's, it's, it's literally. He could have just said, "Let's settle for a point." It's two passes. Yeah. And then Nuno Mendes to Messi, Messi one touch to Mbappé in, in behind, and the goal, 1-1 uh, with the keeper. Well done, Kylian, that's all I would say. Thank God we have him. An Erling Haaland penalty gives Manchester City a 1-0 win over Crystal Palace. Gabby wasn't as close as the scoreline suggests, was it? It wasn't. City created tons of chances. What happened Ton, was... I'm not sure. I'm not too sure about tons. Oh, I, I think they created... They, City could have scored four or five. Erling Haaland could have had a hat-trick in this game. Erling Haaland's finishing was not on in this game, which is fine. You know, you can have a, a day off when you're yeah. 22 years old and you've got 28 goals in 26 games. Um, I was disappointed in Palace. I, I saw, okay, you just go there to defend them. You know, you're in mid-table. Show yeah. me something. Show me something. You're not going to go down, right? And just to say what? To like, oh, we've taken a point from City... I don't know it was the right game plan because, you know, it's not like they were not conceding chances to City before that late penalty. So, uh, and on the penalty, I feel for Michael Olise, who is one of my favorite players. But, yeah, 
Arsenal beat up Fulham away 3-0 and the gap over City stays at five points. Yeah. Jules, no Paulinho, no party for Fulham, but this was impressive. This was really impressive, that first half from Arsenal. So much intensity, so much ruthlessness in the way they took their chances. Uh, although they could have scored five and six easily, Trossard was incredible, really. Hat-trick of assist, first player in Premier League history to do it in a first half of an away game. Uh, the first one for Gabriel, then Martinelli, then, then maybe the best goal was the... <laughs> The second goal, actually, the, the Martinelli one. 24 <laughs> first passes. player in Premier League history to do so, it. So, you know, players have already uh, done three hat-tricks. In the first assist. half of an away game. It's a, it's, it's a bit of an off-brand stat, but, but yeah, whatever. But it's yeah, the point that you've done you. three in 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Instead in the first half of an away game since 1992. Okay. No, no, but you can do you can do like three <laughs> yeah. in 45 minutes. Is that better than three in 90 minutes? <laughs> I suppose so. so. You know, so. I suppose so. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was really good. The second goal coming after 24 passes, uh, one of them being the incredible Saliba for 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 Granit Xhaka. I think they're really good. And Gabriel Jesus is back and. I'm not sure that right now they even need him. So well, he's uh, back and he missed the ch misses a chance right away. Yeah, so it's yeah, kind of business yeah, as usual, yeah, right? Yeah. Across North London, big win for Spurs. We defeat Nottingham Forest three-one. Gab, this wasn't to be taken for granted after the back and forth between Conte and Richarlison. Yeah, Richarlison saying that like you know this season is turd, except he yeah. didn't say turd. He used a uh, used an expletive, and Conte said like, oh great, I'm glad he recognizes because his season has been turd, and that's why it's not been playing. Yeah. Uh, and yet, and then you've got the anger of the fans, you've got the uncertainty of Conte's future, anger of the fans at, at Conte, at Daniel Levy, at some of the players. But they put all of that aside for 90 minutes. I mean, Forrest away from home this season is just <laughs> dreadful. So, you know. Forrest are what Richarlison described in many ways. But, yeah, but yeah. I, look, I think it's a reminder that in sports, whenever there's infighting, it can all damage when you're all pulling for the same common goal once you step across, once you step onto that pitch or, 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 or that court. And I think it's a credit that they were able to channel that. And it also helps when you have, when you have Harry Kane. Yeah, of course. Real Madrid come from behind to beat Espanyol 3-1. Jules, this wasn't great, but job done. Yeah, it wasn't great at all. Jose Luis scoring, as you said, for Espanyol early on. Very nice counter-attacking goal. Then on the, on, the, on the break, Arthur Real Madrid looked very vulnerable. But then, in the end, they had far more quality, of course, than Espanyol. When you look at Chouameni's cross, for the second goal, outside of his right foot, Alan Modric is wonderful for Militao. The Vinicius' first goal, Asensio later. You know, in the end, normal service was resumed. However, defensively, with Camavinga as a left back in trouble again, certainly on the on the goal, they look shaky. Yeah, Militao, I don't think was great either. No. Uh, I don't think Valverde. You play surely Alaba left I, back and then Rudiger and Militao in the centre against Liverpool, right? But you you assume so. Uh, it's just it's just further confirmation. They had seventy percent possession. And it took them forever. They didn't create anywhere near no, as many no, chances no. when they no had the ball. No carrying the dream, either. And yeah, and and that's an issue too. But look, I, I'm sorry, I've said this, right? Bring a freaking striker who's not Mariano, like Rodrigo. I, I, it's not. Yeah. What about whatever. Yeah. 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 Prior to that game, Gabriel Madrid's board voted to join the civil action against Barcelona over the payments made by the club to the vice president of Spain's referees association, Jose Maria Enriquez Negrera. Big news yeah. that was. So this is a story, yeah, they paid him seven million over the years, I think 1.8 million or 1.2 million over the last um, three seasons leading up to 2018. So this is in the Bartomeu yeah. era before before La Porta. Uh, La Liga signed, a, they wrote a letter of censure, which was signed by 18 of the 20 clubs against Barcelona. Uh, funny enough, Real Madrid were not one of them. People said, oh, look, you know, Super League buddies, blah, them, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah yeah. 
But there's been such an outcry from Real Madrid fans saying, wait a minute, what are you doing? Park the Super League for a second. You know, this is this is terrible what yeah. happened. Um, so Real Madrid, I think, is a big step for them. What does it mean in practical terms? In sporting terms, it doesn't mean anything. Practical terms, it could mean that there may be more fines, potentially some punishments, but there's a really bad mood around Barcelona. Booed again uh, by, by Atletic Bowen. They played against Atletico Bilbao. We'll get to the game in a minute. So... I, you, there has to be a clean outcome on this one. Otherwise, yeah. it's a massive blow. Laporta can take a step back and say, oh, I wasn't here. I didn't know about it. Uh, and that's fair enough. Yeah. But it's still the club. So much for Liverpool sparking back into uh, life, Jules. Mo Salah misses a penalty. Um, they don't play well. And they lose to bottom of the table, Bournemouth. I still don't know how he... Why he took the penalty the way he did? It's such a bad miss for such an incredible player, really. When you, if you look again at the penalty, especially the angle from behind him, even the way he hits the ball is really weird. And I don't know, this was a, I have to say, a terrible performance from Liverpool. Like really, you wonder how they can play so so badly. And yeah, of course, the penalty can change something. They had a couple of decent chances, but so did Bournemouth. Bournemouth could have been three it up yeah. easily. Bournemouth are not good, but. They, you, they crazy. Really it was tight. They were no. physical. There was just nothing. Nothing again from that Liverpool team is, is crazy. Back to La Liga, Barcelona get a big win away at Athletic Club de Bilbao. But Gab, we saw some miracles from Ter Stegen in that game. Two goal line clearances. Bilbao hitting the woodwork twice, and Nico Williams equalizer struck off by VAR. Yeah, and he was struck off because of a handball way Which before was the, right the build-up. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure from the, from the pictures I saw. Really? I'm not, Munyain goes clearly to, to control the ball with his arm. It, where does it hit him, though? Does it hit him at the top of the sleeve? No. Or does it hit, hit, hit it lower? I don't On think it's entirely cl clear uh, to me. Regardless, um, again, this is blood and guts Barcelona hanging in there. And again, there's a lot to be said for mental toughness and all this stuff. Um, but this is a different team without Petri and Dembele. Yeah, 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 it's, sure. it's, it's just a different team. Bayern give up an early goal, but then beat Augsburg 5-3. Jules, we need to show some love for uh, Benjamin Pavardowski. Ah, scored two goals. Nice. But conceding three at home isn't great. Even though the penalty was harsh, I thought. Yeah, and there's one in garbage, uh, time. You know, garbage time, like you, you, like you love to say. At the end, in the derby against Augsburg, the, I think the most important was to... Um, to get the win because you also knew that Dortmund playing in Schalke in that derby could potentially draw points which in the end that's what they did so well done and for Pavard incredible I think that back three has just like, completely reinvigorated him or whatever you say like it's incredible and now Nagelsmann is a big fan again now Pavard is thinking hang on so my contract which expires in 2024 I was not really thinking about you know, renewing it. I wanted to leave the club, but maybe now it's actually a good thing to to stay because if they keep that back three, he's the perfect player to play there too. Better than Stanisic, better than Cancelo, better than any other centre back that well, they he have. He told us Cancelo is not a player to play in the back three. I'm like, oh, yeah, fine. Exactly. Just play my wing back then. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. But you're not yeah. going to everybody. So yeah, well done to Pavard, well done to Bayern. Wild game in Turin as Juventus beat Sampdoria 4-2. Gab, if you took away the points penalty. Then Juve are second, of course, but Samba angry about Rabiot's goal, the second one. And they should be. 
Yes, this is a crazy game. Either going 2 0 up, then uh, Sampdoria, powered by Harry Winks in midfield. Um, yes. Go back to score twice in a minute to, 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 to make it 2 2. You would think the lead to Rabio's goal were. It looked to me very obvious that Rabio handles the ball. It looked to him like he handles the ball the way he stops. Yeah, the way the way he stops after uh, I don't the know what happened. I don't know what perspectives they looked at. You know, they ended up adding a fourth. Doesn't take uh, two other. This is going to overshadow everything. But two big takeaways from you. I think it is relevant that they're second in the table without the points penalty because that actually happened on the pitch. Secondly, we saw him play three youngsters in midfield. That's the way forward, Max. Sticking with you, that Paul Pogba yeah. is an issue, my boy. Uh, he was late to a team meeting. He's injured again. I saw this incredible stat on Italian TV. It could be totally made up, but it sounds plausible. Since 2018-19, he has missed 796 days, yeah. uh, which equates to 127 matches. Presumably, it's in all competitions. Jules. That's a lot of matches, though. Many are questioning whether he's unlucky or whether something else is going on. It's a good question. I do think that all the issues of the field that we've mentioned before, the witchcraft, etc., etc., the problem with his one of his brothers didn't help, I think, uh, because as we know, if you're struggling off the field, I don't think you can, you know, I think that can bring some really negative vibes and injuries and like all that kind of stuff. So maybe that didn't help. I don't, I don't know really. I've never, I haven't spoken to Paul about it recently. I don't know. That the ankle injury or the two ankle injuries that are united certainly kept him up for a very long time were very serious. The when somebody misses, misses these many games, normally there's a broken limb or an ACL involved. Here, you're right, there were serious injuries, but it felt like it was it's just like a string of, 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 of injuries. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's turning 30 at the end of the month in March, he'd played since he was. 16, let's say, easily. Has he played too young, too much? Maybe, I don't know. Is it, is it because his discipline off the field in terms of recovery, etc., is not perfect? I don't think so. I think he's, he's quite professional. Certainly the, the Paul Pogba that I know is. I don't know, but this is, this is really, wor I mean, one, it's worrying. Two, it's unacceptable, really, when, you're, you know, when your club is paying you, whether it's United or not Juventus. Right. I mean, when you think that he's played for Juventus, what? 50 minutes against Roma and then 25 minutes against Torino in the derby yeah. and that's it. The whole thing. I mean, come on. Uh, it's a tough one. I, I really like Paul Pogba. I'm always prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt. I will say that if, you're, if you've been injured for so long and you're the highest paid player on the team, you have to set the example. You yeah. can't be late to a meeting, right? He wasn't late to a yeah, meeting because he was injured, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that uh, was bad. That adds that a whole... Bad. I think what's more interesting is you've been pretty forthcoming privately back channeling this information that like we're sick of Pogba um, to which uh, you may be sick of him but he's got a contract of which you gave him last summer yeah does also raise the issue well we've certainly criticized Max Allegri a lot they are second in admittedly a league where everybody's flawed other than Napoli mm -hmm. so maybe 53 points don't mean that much but without their best player without or one player, of the best only yeah I, I think in a, in Fit Paul Pogba is objectively, yeah. by some margin, Juventus's best player ahead of Vlaovic, Di Maria, yeah, whatever yeah, you yeah. want to mention, right? Yeah. So, that's a credit to Max. Chelsea making three wins in the row now, beating Leicester City away 3-1. Gab, is the comeback on? Yeah, I don't know. I know the comeback is on. Uh, what was interesting was, this was different Chelsea from what we saw against Borussia Dortmund. And this was maybe more Potter-esque. 
Chelsea was much more uh, of an open game, admittedly. Yeah, they conceded against, chances as well. They conceded chances. They created chances. I think it's what he wants to do with control. Um, I thought Chilwell was really good in this game. Yeah. And I think, again, he can be a value add. There was no Reese James again. By the way, that's another thing to, to look at physically where is he because I think he's a really important player to Chelsea yeah. and some nice goals one, oh, of them. one of the goals of the season oh, which one because no. I you know, the, 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 the Kovacic doesn't no. excite you come on no the one the only one we can talk about here is the Enzo Dink Dink for the Havertz volley Kai Havertz the best even on if he's only warding goal who is still looking for the ball right now like doesn't it went too quick for him but what a lovely goal that was. By the way, Ward on the first goal. Yeah, the Ward, right, sorry, Ward right. in general. I mean, like, why would you not sign the keeper? Come on. Uh, Tecker's moment, while it was a really pretty finish and it went in and Kai Havertz is the best on earth, this is not, why would you finish, why would you choose to finish? Isn't it a lot easier in that situation when you get to the ball first just to poke the ball down, maybe have it bounce past the keeper when the keeper's coming out? rather than Maybe that's the keeper expected, though. Okay, but I knew he was going to hit it like that. Like really? I, I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it because I was surprised that he hit it like that. Yeah, no, I think I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the right thing to do because I think the keeper might have expected that touch. Maybe. <laughs> Napoli beat Atalanta two 0 but Jules. Ooh. Oh, again, the Jules Tucker oh, situation. Yes. I need to ask you about Kvitrek Farskelia's goal and the handbrake turn. Yes. Uh, even Luciano Spalletti, this is a dangerous thing to say to bring up this name is. in Naples, yeah. said it was a goal worthy of Diego Armando Maradona. He's not saying Kvaratskhelia is like Maradona, no. but it was a goal worthy of him. I'd say, I remember Dennis Bergkamp scoring another goal with like the quick turn, yeah. remember, against uh, uh, against Juventus. Um, I remember going back further, Paolo Canyon when he played for Napoli, scoring a goal like that against Milan, where he basically he turned Baresi Maldini inside out. Right. This, this, this channeled this all is, of that. This is incredible, really. The ball from Ozyman, the quick transition. And then, it's, I think at some point I counted, there's six or seven Atalanta players, and the goal, including the goalkeeper, in their box with Kvaris Gallia on his own, really. So he's 1v6 or 1v7, I can't remember. You need to look again. And, and then he never touches the ball with his left foot, which Pep Guardiola maybe would not be happy with because the ball is coming from his right-hand side, so he should really control it with the inside of his left foot. But after that, he's pure genius. You, we know how good he is and when he's like in that kind of mood and confidence. But he's outside of his right foot, outside, outside again. Then that turn, the handbrake turn, is outside of his right foot and then he finishes <laughs> under the crossbar. It's an amazing goal for a player that has been really the... the I mean, I know some scouts had scouted him before. Uh, when he was certainly when he was in Russia, and I know there was a few clubs looking at, but still, and, and Napoli of course tried to sign him before, uh, before they did it last summer. But for him to arrive and become Serie best player this season, really with those men, I, I, I don't think there's any other player in that conversation. And to adapt it so well and taking his game to this kind of level and carrying Napoli the way he does is just incredible, man. Hey, I, I don't have any words, so it's on YouTube. Go check it out. Yeah, definitely. Borussia Dortmund draw 2-2 away to Schalke in the Riviera Derby, which means they're two points back now behind Bayern Gab. Missed opportunity? I think in some ways, if you're a glass half empty type guy, you would say yes. And Mats Hummels didn't cover himself in glory again. I think it's time. Yeah. I think it's time to review. The reason why he was not playing before. Yeah, I like maybe making like you know like those like the Davis Cup captain who doesn't actually play, but, but he's, he's like kind of a big around. part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
On the other hand, Schalke were on a really, really good run of form. Mm -hmm. Dortmund were coming off that horrendous display against Chelsea. And wingers are important to Dortmund, right? And this is a game where they were without Adeyemi, yeah. they were without Marco Royce, and yeah. they were without Julian Brandt. Those yeah. are the three best wingers. And credit to Terzic. He, he played Rafael Guerrero in midfield, but not wide in midfield. I, he almost played him as like, I don't know, some like number 10 Lampard role. He was ahead of, felt like he was ahead of Haller yeah. most of the game. I think he basically yeah, shows him ahead of Haller. Yeah. Um, that's a good way, good use of Guerrero because Guerrero at fullback, you know, sometimes he channels his inner jaw Cancelo and, and, and you suffer. Um, so no, I think one point back, I think still, sorry, two points back, title race still very much open. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Jules, I thought this whole business was over. Oh. But there was another back and forth between yeah. Kareem Benzema and Didier Deschamps. Nobody's looking too good here. I'm not going to ask you to take sides because that no, would be like taking sides between your children. Why are they not looking? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'm not sure I agree with not looking good here because Deschamps is asking an interview his first once in the World Cup about Benzema he says this is the story there's only one truth and Karim knows it and explains the story I mean his side of the story okay. when you say there's only one truth and Karim knows it you are already saying I'm going to give my side of the story and I'm going to implicitly suggest that Karim's side of the story is not the accurate side of the story that's what I mean but we, don't have, we don't have Benzema's side of the story so we don't know so Deshaun is not saying Karim's side of the story is not right because we haven't heard yet from Benzema. We're hoping. He said that he said now that he will have to talk. I'm hoping that he talks to ESPN and we're on the case. We're not the only one, I can tell you that. So I don't know who he will choose. And then he will tell his story and then we will have the two sides of the stories and then we can we, we can debate even more if we want to about it. Deschamps says that the injury was too serious, that even Karim himself said to Deschamps, okay, it's dead for me to play in this World Cup. And then Deschamps said, take your time to go home. And instead, the next morning when everybody got up, he'd gone already because he took the 8, 8 a.m. flight from Doha to Madrid. I, I, I think I know this, the side of the story from Karim, which is like the, the injury was actually not that serious, that he could have stayed, they could have at least gave him another 48 hours. And then I've done another scan after 48 hours to see the evolution of the hamstring problem. But there's certainly a feeling, I think, in Karim Benzema's camp that they could have still used him in that World Cup. When Deschamps said, nah, he, was, he could not have played before the semi-final, I could not take that. Uh, you know, I could not choose to keep him in there if he had not played between, before the start of the tournament and the semi-final. So yeah, this is it. But for, for, I think Karim sorry, what kind really of nonsense, sorry, 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 before we get to the Karim's response, what kind of nonsense is this? Well, why can't you keep him and play him in the semi-final if he's injured earlier in the tournament? Is, is there some well, one, is there some rule? No, but you don't know if you're going to make it that 
far before the right. tournament starts. So what, you've prepaid your hotel room, like it's not like you're no. saving money. What, for example, he does he eat a big breakfast? Like, why you We've had two big stories like that. In the 2002 World Cup, when Zidane gets injured before the World Cup, and he stays in the squad, when we know that he will probably not even be able to play in the whole of the group stages, in, in the end, play the, th the third game, he's like 50% fit or something, it's ridiculous. But that, the start of that Sorry, World Cup... Was that the game where he got sent off? Or am I confusing it? Where he stamped on the Saudi player? No, that was 98. No, 98. This is, this is right, 02, right, yeah. Right. And the whole atmosphere was polluted, polluted, you say? Yeah. By Zidane injury. Every question was about Zidane injury. Every, everything was all about Zidane, which mm -hmm. deserved, make it deservist in the end to the national team. In 08 at the Euros, Patrick Vieira got a, a, a hamstring injury before the Euros. The whole question was do we keep him within the squad? Do we not keep him? At some point, he might be fit, maybe the quarterfinal, the semifinal, we were not sure. And same thing, again, all the questions were about Patrick's, uh, Patrick's armstring, Patrick's injury, Patrick this, and what we're going to do. And then, do we keep him? How does he fit in? Blah, 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 blah. In the end, they didn't even make it out of the group stage, like in 02. So it, but again, that was the negative vibe around the national team. And I think Deschamps had that in his mind, and maybe thought that if Karim had stayed, all we would have asked every day would have been about Karim. How's Karim? What about his injury? What about this? What about that? Blah, 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 blah. And maybe he didn't want that. I don't know. But still, according to his version of events, he didn't tell him to go home. No, he said, take your time to go home. Take your time to go home on the, the next day. Instead, Karim left at 5 a.m. to take an 8 a.m. flight from Doha to Madrid. So he did, Deschamps did send him home. Yeah. No, no, no. No, so. No, what didn't you understand? So I'm not. I'm really not clear on the dynamic about whether so Deschamps decided. He said they decided the together because Karim Deschamps said that Karim said to him, "It's dead. Right. I, I'm not going to. You know, I'm, I, I've got an injury now." So Deschamps said, "Okay, then you go home." But he said, "Take your time. To, you don't need to rush going home tomorrow." That's what Deschamps said. And then right. Deschamps said the next thing he knew, he gets up on Sunday morning, and Karim is gone already because he took that really early flight. To, to, to Madrid. So is it fair to say that there's really bad communication between the two at the World Cup? Can we agree on that part? Um, because if they're saying two different... I mean, those two guys were there talking to each other, presumably, in a language they both understand. Yeah. So clearly there must... Is it possible some no, but major... What we don't know is that now Karim says that Deschamps is a liar. So he puts on his Instagram right. stories after that interview was out. This very famous French gif of this influencer, or like this, yeah, like Snapchat star who says, Monteur, Monteur, tu m'as like, you're a liar, you lie, you lie, you liar. Right. So that was at Deschamps. And then and a little clown, clown emoji, emoji, yes. And then saying, I'm going to speak now. We don't know what, we don't know what, for, we don't know for Benzema, what, where, where is the lie in what Deschamps says? Is the lie on the gravity of the injury? Is the lie about, don't rush to go home. Is the lie about that Benzema said, okay, he's dead, I won't play here. What, where is the lie? Is, maybe all of that is the lie. I don't know. But there's certainly, Benzema says he's lying somewhere. We just don't know right now where is the lie. Right. And Benzema's camp don't filter through where the lie is or waiting for Benzema. No, what we know is that the, their side of the story is that the, 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 the injury was not that bad. <laughs> so that he could have come back before the semi-final I, 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 I'm sorry, I hate going back to the World Cup. I know it brings like unpleasant no, memories. No, 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 I find this story fascinating because but I'm a Karim Benzema guy, of course, so I would always go for his side. And I think I agree in the seriousness of the injury from what I was told and from what I saw. If I even saw the scans. And I promise you, the scans don't look that serious. 
So what? So Deschamps is like extra, extra cautious and well, say like, oh, I, could what, he have what been I back before? What I don't understand very simply is there's a group. It's a World Cup, right? I, I've never played in a World Cup. But if I had and I were Karim Benzema, I would have thought, and if I were, or I was Kareem Benzema's coach, it's like, Kareem, we don't know if you'll be able to play in this World Cup. Probably not. Let's say you say you feel dead, whatever. But please stay. Please stay, be part of the group because you're a leader, because you won the Ballon d'Or, because you're important within my group, because it sends a good message. We're all united, we're all one team. I mean, that would be the standard thing to say, not for him to feel like he needs to go home, not for, 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 for Deschamps to say take 24 hours and then go home or, or whatever. Like, I, I would have thought, unless there was some pre-existing reason for him not to be there, which oh, there may I mean, be. Yeah, it's a fact. It seems a weird one. Injured players don't, injured players stick around at World Cups, right? Well, they, yeah, so Lukaku did, Mane didn't. So, but you could say that Senegal didn't think they would go far enough to have Mane back. Maybe I don't know. Right. I don't know. I think everybody's every case is different, I guess. But yeah, maybe there's a bit of maybe there's a bit of that. Maybe Deschamps didn't want him there. All right. Maybe, maybe another wild one in Serie A on Sunday. Gab as Roma lose four three to Sassuolo and Marash Kumbula gets sent off at the end of the first half and considered a penalty in the same way. Gab, good thing Jose Mourinho was suspended. Otherwise, who knows how angry he would have been at full time on the touchline. Yeah, so first of all, with Sassuolo, you never know what you're going to get. You get good Sassuolo, you get bad Sassuolo. Yeah. They take chances, they attack. I don't think Roma set up well for this game at all. Obviously, Mourinho was suspended, but... Let's, let's be clear on it. It's not like because Mourinho's not there, they put him like in a in a sensory deprivation box far away. <laughs> He's still prepared for this team. Maybe it was a fallout from from, from the Europa League on, on Thursday night, whatever yeah. it was. It's not a good performance. Marash Kumbula, I feel for him a little bit because he clashes with Berardi and he's kind of like sort of straddling him on, 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 on top. Berardi does lift his leg onto... Kumbula, you can call it a kick or whatever. But Kumbula, you can't react yeah, by going kicking the guy not. when he's on the ground. Not in an era of VAR, definitely right? Not. Maybe you do that in a street fight. You don't do that in in, in real life. Um, by the way, Armand Laurentier, I said, ooh, I need to check. Is he Paris born? Of course, he is from Gonesse. <laughs> and I bet, well, Lorienté, I, I, by the way, Laurentier, who is who is amazing at free kicks, but not just that, who was very good with Lorient last season, and I think Sassuolo again then. Scouting, data, all of that. Look at him now. Really good this season. I, 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 looked, I looked on Wikipedia to see where he was from, and it says Gones. And I'm like, oh, great. Now do I have to figure out where the hell Gones is? And Not far from Kylian. Sure, sure enough, yes. It is one of the many suburbs of Paris. Yeah, yeah north. It's north. He's north. He's north. Uh, Newcastle beat Wolverhampton Wanderers 2-1 to keep the Champions League hopes alive. But, Jules, should Nick Pope have been sent off? Whoa. I th personally, I think so. Yeah, I really struggled to understand how he was not sent off, how that was not a penalty. Again, terrible distribution, which is you know he's not very good at. We know how Jimenez gets the ball, and then there's clearly he clearly like I know there's not a massive contact, as in he doesn't barge into him. Uh, but but I think it's a foul. It's enough to unbalance Jimenez to make him fall down. And Jimenez, I think, is quite intelligent to the way he played it because he was probably convinced he was going to get something out of it. And in the end, they got really lucky in Newcastle there. 
Yeah, although I think lucky, yeah, yeah, no, lucky, lucky was wasn't sent off. I yeah. think the win ultimately was, diver- the, it was deserved. Yeah, By yeah, the, the way, I'm waiting for somebody to go and make some sort of GIF or animation of Miguel Almiron's eyes. Oh, yeah. After he scores a goal, he goes, he hugs yes. somebody in the ground, his eyes literally pop out of his head. Cartoonish. Yes. Daniel Maldini gets on the score sheets and little Spezia beat Inter 2 1 on Friday. Not the best way to prepare for the Champions League this week, Gab, and the knives out for Simone Inzaghi. They are. <laughs> And look, I, I feel for him a little bit, um, but I also think some people should take a chill pill, right? In Italy, we still too many people are like, oh, look, you gave up a goal on the counter. You're an idiot. Ah, let's fire you. Um, Inter, I'm going to go to the numbers here, 3.67 XG in this game yeah. to 1.01. 28 shots on goal to four. They created enough chances to win. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You've got individual mistakes. You can question some of the changes he makes. But come on, man. Really? Really? You know, Daniel Maldini has scored two goals. That was his second goal this season. You know against who the first one was? Against who? Milan. Oh, that's right. Yes. It's really rare that player scores against Milan and Inter in the same season. So well done. Well done to him. Leipzig spanked Borussia Mönchengladbach 3-0 and up to third ahead of the Champions League clash with Manchester City. Jules, your thoughts? Are looking good? Yeah, I thought that second half especially was impressive. The first half maybe a bit more even in a way and I think Gladbach could have scored in that first half. The second half, they were really, really outstanding. Vardio scoring again. Uh, not conceding is big and I think you just go to that game you've got nothing to lose against City if you get knocked out it's normal they're, be- they're better than you they are they've got better squads right. but they can shock all of that so you know but you, you know you can go there and you know you're yeah. going to trouble them if you play like you did in the second half in the first leg not in the first half but you know you've, you know you will have your chances to score for example you might concede of course and give away chances but you know you can score too and if City defend like Gladbach exactly wow. exactly no it's Richard Zetung in Switzerland reporting that Qatar bugged a meeting back in 2017 between FIFA president Gianni Infantino and Swiss Attorney General Michael Lauber Gab this seems serious I, I, I think it is serious. I think this is really serious. So the whole thing that uh, Infantino and the Swiss Attorney General Michael Lauber were meeting is already, that's already being under yeah, investigation we, we, yeah, because we talked about those meetings before. were minuted. He was meeting him informally. I think the, the justification is, look, FIFA faces all sorts of, and Infantino, of course, became president in, in, in 2016. So FIFA were facing all sorts of legal liability. Uh, they wanted to go and see if they could take action against previous members of the yeah. FIFA regime, like, like Seb Blatter, they had several informal meetings. But at one of them, um, according to Neutzer Herzeitung, who I think are very careful with what they say, they yeah, reported... It's a serious newspaper. Yeah. They were bugged by, by Qatar, um, specifically by a company called Global Risk Advisors, which is run by former CIA guys. <laughs> Qatar apparently were worried that Infantino might try to stri- uh, strip them of the 2022 World Cup. Uh, partly for human rights violations, bribes, whatever else, some of those allegations that were out there. Um, I think you have to follow up on this. You have to follow up. You have to establish this. If Qatar eventually dumps all the responsibility on these ex-CIA guys, fine. But you can't have a foreign country bugging that's crazy man the offices of the country of the of the the, the, the attorney general it's not in, his office it was somewhere else yeah, 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 yeah you can't you have him bugging a meeting i mean this I mean, goes crazy. beyond football into politics another mad finish in Ligue 1 marseille go tunnel up against strasbourg and then 
with two minutes to go, oh. they throw it all away. Jules! Yeah, they were down to 10, though, from uh, midway in the first half when Balerdi got sent off. <coughs> Rightly so, I think, as the last defender. But after that, they played well. They, they showed character. They, they still had you know, struggles at times because Strasbourg had some big chances as well. But you turn it up. Alexis Sanchez his penalty, I think, the 71st, 72nd minute. You, this You're is home free. This is a huge win, considering you were down to 10, especially because behind you, Monaco didn't win, uh, Balance won. So they, they've got... It's a game you have to win. And then Aholu scored first on a, on, a, on a corner, where I think Paulo Lopez doesn't do well enough. And then one of the goals of the weekend, really. We didn't mention the Dybala goal for Roma, by the way, that in the end, yeah. for nothing, but that was amazing. And Aolu with an incredible strike on the edge of the box, top corner, wonderful to make it 2-2 for Strasbourg, which is all they deserve, but for Marseille, he'd be gutted. And Tudor was not happy with the ref for the red card, which I think is, is fighting the wrong battle, or whatever, yeah. I don't know what you say, uh, because it's two points that Marseille should have never dropped. And By the way, it might come back to Honda. The top five of goals this weekend. Oh, really yeah, tasty. You're right. Pretty tasty. The European Court of Justice has weighed in on UEFA's home ground players' rules. Gab, nothing is binding yet, but this could have a big impact, no? Yeah, nothing's binding. I mean, the, the, this is the opinion of an advocate general, so it's not like the rules are changing. But as you know, the rules are um, if you play for three years for a team between the ages of 15 and 21, you're considered homegrown. Yeah. So we have this situation, which, by the way, since Brexit, Premier League clubs can't do anymore, but other clubs. They take players uh, at 16, yeah. um, you know, pretty much fully developed players, keep them for three years, say, ah, oh, look, you know, he's home. He's one of ours. Yeah. He's one of ours, uh, which is obviously unfair to the club before. So they need to find a way to balance this out. I wouldn't be surprised if they change this rule, maybe make it, maybe make it more years, maybe take into account where the player was when he was 16 years old. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of clubs that spend a lot of money on their youth academies who essentially get screwed. Because um, you don't get transfer fees either. You don't get transfer age, fees, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so something to look at. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Neymar has gone under the knife, Jules. When are we yeah. going to see him back? It's a good question, Gab. It went well. The ankle injury, uh, surgery, sorry, the ankle surgery, sorry, uh, went well. Between three and four months, could we see him maybe late? Hey, if PSG qualify for the Champions League final on June 10th, that... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, let's see. You know what I would, I would say? Just don't worry about this season. Your surgery is done now. Get rehabilitation properly done. Don't try to rush to come back late for the last game of the season or uh, the one before that. Why, what's the point? PSG are 10 points clear now. They're going to win this league. Neymar's going to get his medal. We will look at it saying like, yeah, he missed half of the season already again, but look at his numbers, they're great numbers and focus on next season, wherever you will be, whatever club. <laughs> Maybe not at PSG. But you know what I mean? What's the point of trying right. to rush to play this? This, this season is gone, it's finished. <laughs> A court in New York has delivered its verdict on, in the second FIFA bribery trial and former Fox executive faces up to 40 years in prison. Gab, can you just 
rewind the story a little bit for us and what impact will it have on the 2026 World Cup maybe? So this is all offshoots from the DOJ investigation which of course in 2015 eventually brought down Sepp Blatter and, yeah. and, and Jerome Valk and, and FIFA and so on um, but there's some incredible details that have come out in this uh, basically this guy Hernan Lopez who at the time worked for Fox does not work for Fox which is a US broadcaster doesn't work for them anymore should stay. I should stress that um, Julio Grondona who is now deceased who was in charge of FIFA's finance committee was the vice president. Uh, basically, the court found that he, presumably in exchange for a bribe, not just because he's a nice guy, he told Fox exactly how much the rival bidders were bidding right. at every turn. So they had an, a huge advantage because they could just kind of outbid them by a little bit for 2022. It also found what we kind of already know, that the 2026 deal um, was essentially compensation for the fact that 2022 was moved from the summer to the winter, where it's obviously less lucrative for yeah. Fox. Then it becomes even more lucrative because, hey, look, it goes to 48 teams, and yeah. they have it in the U.S., Mexico, and uh, uh, and Canada, so right in their, their footprint. Uh, this just speaks to how yucky, how icky it is. Um, you know, it's not like they can go back in time and take 2022 uh, away from Fox or 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 it's going to affect 2026. I don't think you need to have serious lawsuits yeah. from bidders who who, who lost crazy, out. It's crazy, isn't it? But a total of 32 million dollars in bribes were 32 paid. Million. 32 million. Not all to Grondona. Yeah, clearly, no, no, of course. But, but like, can you imagine? <laughs> that's that's terrifying. Will Still, our oh, favorite redhead, fire. continues to make history. Stad Rams win away to Monaco. It's now 18 games unbeaten. And like this for in content, the league, it's crazy. Stad Rams. This isn't like Manchester City going 18 games on being. No. Rams are not good. They're little teeny tiny teams. They are good now with him. But yeah, okay, they yeah, are. Exactly. I mean, they're a big club, but yeah, they're tiny in terms of budget. Why? Because now. they reached well, a European yeah. final yeah, a million yeah, yeah. years no, ago. No, but they're still big. But incredible, incredible 18 league games unbeaten because they, they did lose in the, um, in the French Cup before that. I mean, and you know, they go to Monaco and actually and bust the game and play well and should have scored by more than just one nil. It's another Flo Balogun goal. He's got 69, 26. He's on fire. He took that goal so well. What a talented kid he is. And for Will Steele, I don't know what else to say. We can remind you all that he still doesn't have his badges. So every single game that he manages for Reims on the bench costs his club 20k every single time. But now they're four points away from European places. It's just, it's just remarkable. That not just the turnaround from Oscar Garcia. And by the way, some have 19 games unbeaten. The 19th one is the 3-2-2 draw in the derby where Oscar Garcia was still technically the, the coach, uh, the, the manager. So I, that's why I don't count it. For me, it's 18 from the moment we still was in charge, fully in charge. Oscar Garcia was not at the club anymore to now. The turnaround is crazy. I really hope they make it to Europe. And I think Will still, at his age, the future is so bright. What's, what's more remarkable about him? The fact that he's so young or the fact that he's half English? Um, sorry, and half, sorry, and half Belgium. You know, the, the, the scenes, you know, hearing him speaking in French, then in Dutch, then in, in English, to all the players in that squad, it's just incredible. I think he's got a very special bond with players. Not just he's now, of course, but I think he's got that very easy kind of relationship skills with players. Plus, tactically, I think he's amazing. So let's see. Let's see how he continues next weekend. Reims against Marseille. 
Ooh. Incredible. Real Sociedad draw away to Mallorca and slip to fourth with Atletico Madrid in third, only playing this, mo- this evening on Monday evening. Gap one win in nine in all competitions now for Real Sociedad, who, who obviously were playing in midweek as well in the Europa League. The wheel's coming off? I fear so. And it's weird because this is also like some of their injured guys are coming back and yet the results are, are turning you know, they almost did well when they yeah. had that that, 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 that that run of injuries. Um, Atletico, of course, have a chance to pull away. Betis, I think, are just two points uh, behind them. Um, I hope they don't limp to the end of the season. I hope this is a blip no, and we no. see them competitive because it's just, it's, it's just such they a good, score. such a well-run club, such I a know. good story. Steven Gerrard is on his way to Turkey, gobble, gobble, to discuss yeah. the Trabzon Sports job. Jules, I say good for him. <laughs> yeah, after Poland... Trabzon now, Trabzon Spor, uh, who are six in the Turkish league. I, I don't really have to say, I don't, I don't think that right now, in his career path, does he need to go to Turkey? Really, what, does he need to? What do we always say? We all, or do I always say? Yeah. I say, millionaire, ex-superstar, pros, he gets an easy ride into management, Liverpool Academy, to Rangers, to Villa, and then we always say, oh, but then these guys are lazy, they don't test themselves, just sit at home, count their money. He's not. He's putting his rep on the line. He's saying, I want to learn. I'm going to go to Trabzonspor. I am going outside my Scott comfort Parker zone. Already, which was, you said that with Scott Parker, who was the dumbest decision that he made going for that job. I still respect the fact that he went. We've seen, what we're around so many ex-footballers who sit around on the sofa and yak, yak, yak. And when they, maybe they might have had one coaching job, but they don't like it because the hours are long and they're not getting paid $3 million a year, whatever else. Honestly, Max respected Jared. I don't know if this is right for him. I don't know if he's going to be good at Trabs on Sport. I don't know if he's going to learn something. Some so of these guys, you know, we've seen it. Some dependent of on the presidential elections as well. So the guy who's running for presidential election, if he gets, if he gets in... Then Gerard is I, the manager that he would bring in. Kind of. I'm hoping this is not just a publicity stunt that I this guy's doing. I don't think so. No, I don't um, think so. But if Gerard's flying over there, he's taking the time out to consider it. I, good for him. Imagine my, I, I know. I, I understand what you mean. My, my point is, like, what if he's uh, Scott Parker? What if he's, if he's sacked at the end of the season? Because from six, they went down to right. 12. Fine. For example, right. Okay. So, what so does that do to his reputation? Where you know he's he's a good manager. We know that he's going to get. If his reputation gets worse, then he's going to have to start when he comes back to England. He'll get another job in England, lower down the pyramid for less money. As simple as. Yeah. But he's putting skin in the game. He's putting his rear end on the line. And I'm not going to go and criticize no, no, somebody no, no. for I that. Our friend Fabrizio Romano reports that Julian Alvarez will sign a new deal with Manchester City in the next few weeks. So much for those stories, Gab, that he was not happy with his playing time and maybe looking for a move away, blah, blah, it's, blah. It's, it's funny how this happens, right? Like, you know, that story goes out, yeah, comes out. Yeah, like, he's oh, not happy. Oh, I might oh. want to leave here. Oh, I'm ah. not getting enough playing time, Haaland. And then, boom, look, I here think you go. I, another zero. And I, I think it's pretty obvious that City were already probably negotiating for him for, for, for a new deal. Whether he hurried it along or his people did with this, I don't yeah. think. Uh-huh. I think City knew what they wanted to give him. I don't think it moved the needle as far as City are like, oh, look, he's unhappy. Better give him a deal. Because as we know from Pep, yeah. if somebody's unhappy, off you, go. <laughs> off you go alone somewhere. And there would have been no shortage of people to, to find this. So it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's deserved. Yeah. yeah. Um, See where it goes. Big top of the table clash in the Saudi Ooh, Premier League duels yeah. with Ali Tihad beating Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasser 1 0 with a goal from Romarinho, who, yeah. as we checked, is not Romario's Nothing son. Nothing to do with Romario. 
Cristiano didn't have the greatest experience. No, he didn't score again, second game in a row, I think. Uh, the fans in the stadium, loads of 50, I think 52,000 people or 57. Well, these are the two biggest teams in Saudi. Yeah, it's a big incredible. country. A huge game. Uh, kept shouting Messi, Messi all the time. They put Messi's posters on the on the walls of the stadium. Presumably of it was the Al Ittihad fans doing yeah, this. Yeah, you would okay. think so, right. not yeah. the Al Nasser one. Uh, Al Ittihad, by the way, who then went top of the table, mm. overtaken. Al Nasser, so pretty much uh, a, a bad day overall for Cristiano, for Rudy Garcia, a boy of course, and for, and for Al Nasser. Gav, this story comes from an Italian non-league football. Did Athletic Breghella really get fined for displaying a banner lamenting the death of migrants in the Mediterranean Sea? Yeah, this is so stupid, and this is where I have a serious freaking issue with bureaucrats who enforce rules. Uh, so this, this, is, this is the lowest tier, okay, of non-league football in Italy. Like, the lowest tier. Is, this is basically, essentially, it's, it's a, plug, a pub team, right, except they okay. register with the FA. So they're subject to all these rules because we love rules in Italy, and then we don't right. follow them, but that's another issue. So uh, recently there's been tragic deaths. 73 people died on, on, on a boat carrying uh, migrants uh, to Italy. Um, the, 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 the boat shipwrecked and... So yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this, and this team, Atletico Brigada, who are involved in a whole bunch of social causes, before kickoff in one of their games, the whole team lined up and they held up a banner saying, uh, you know, we don't want the Mediterranean to be a tomb or, or, or a cemetery, you know, stop the deaths, blah, blah, blah. And they've taken a different anti-war stance before, like, this is kind of where the team is, right? Yeah. Um, and the referee has to note it in his report because the referee has to do his job. Even and at that uh, level, yeah? Even at that level. Okay. And the, uh, the, 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 the guy from the disciplinary committee says, oh, yo, this is bad. He goes and finds them. Uh, he also suspended the team captain for a month. What? I, a modicum of common sense. I mean, if the goal was to draw more attention to this story, then well I done. think it's a positive, yeah. well done, because we're talking about it, and we know about the, 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 the desperate, dangerous conditions. They're not taking a view on how it should be solved, right? So it's not a left or right issue. They're just bemoaning and lamenting the deaths of these 73 people. So I, this really bugs the crap uh, out of me. Little gray men, yeah. little gray, I mean, they're awful. Anyway, Jules, on a brighter note, the Champions League is back. Ooh, we got yeah. some huge games uh, uh, this week. Uh, there's no way Liverpool could ever could they? come back from three goals down against a team coached by Carlo Ancelotti, right? Could this could they? never never happen in the world. Never happened before, so hey, why now? Join us on Thursday. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 